0: Thank you all so much. Let's go. Acts chapter 16. Acts 16 says this. I've got a lot to read tonight. It says, now it happened, as we went to prayer, this is Paul and Silas, as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination. Now the spirit of divination is the spirit of Python that we talked about a few weeks ago. So if you weren't here for that sermon, uh, I encourage you to go back on the app or go back on the website and you can find that message uh, called the spirit of Python. And uh, it's, but this is that spirit that we talked about. It says, the spirit of divination met us, a, a girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. The girl followed Paul and us, crying out, saying, These men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, Turned and said to the spirit, "I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her." And it came out of her that very hour. Now, you may just just if you want to nerd out on some theology really quick, you may find it uh, strange that Paul turned when she's literally following them around and declaring, "Hey, these are servants of the Most High God. They'll show you the way to salvation." Like, why would Paul be annoyed with that? What theologians say is that they were in Philippi, which is located in, in modern day Greece. And so, you know, there was Greek mythology. And so Zeus was considered the most high in Philippi. And so theologians, what they think is that, uh, that it was actually confusing the message that they were trying to preach. So he's trying to preach and point people to God. And then, you know, she's, they know that she's this fortune teller. So anyway, that's, just, that's a side note. It's just a little nerd theology for you there, just for a second. Verse 19 said, but when her master saw that their hope for profit was gone... They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive and observe. Verse number 22, Then the multitudes rose up together against them and against the magistrates and tore out their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. When they had laid them, when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Verse number twenty-four. Having received such a charge, he put them—listen to this—into the inner prison. If you got your paper Bible with you, you ought to underline that. Underline that into the inner prison, and then he fastened their feet in stocks. Last verse. But at midnight, come on, somebody say midnight. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. <laughs> singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to. Them. Just think about this after all they've been through in that day at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for how you speak to us. God, tonight our hearts are open. We want to hear everything that you have to say to us, God. Speak to us. Give us clear minds. Give us attentive hearts. Let us just receive from you. In Jesus' name, come on, if you'll believe and receive that, why don't you just say amen with me? Amen. Amen. You know, life, life can be tough, right? I mean, I think about even what all Shannon and I had to go through this last week. If we would have chose anything, we would not have chose to be in the hospital with our baby girl this last week. You know, when I even began to prepare for this message and I, I knew I would speak this message this Sunday, probably a few weeks ago, and then here we end up in a situation that we really, we don't want to be in, you know, nobody wants to be in the hospital. Nobody wants your, your daughter sick. Nobody wants to be in those types of situations. But if we're honest, life can be tough. Everybody said amen. We all go through things, right? Maybe you came in this place even tonight dealing with things. Maybe you even came in this place struggling with things, and maybe things in your marriage aren't where you wanted to be. Maybe things in your finances aren't in the best place. Maybe it's challenges at work or health challenges. Whatever it is, we all walk through difficult times. And listen to this. Here's a common misconception that I think. I think that there's this common misconception that if we're Christians, we'll never encounter pain. Everybody ever, you, you know, maybe you like If I just get saved, if I just get in church, if I just get Jesus, everything's going to be all right. And I think it's a common misconception, but, but, but look at this. The presence of God doesn't equate to the absence of problems. Wouldn't that be good, though? Wouldn't it just be good if we're just like, you know, I'm just going to give my life to God. I give my life to God and all problems vanish. Everything is good. All problems go away. And look, I can just live a perfect, healthy, happy life. Nothing's ever going to go wrong. But how many of you know that's not the case? The presence of God doesn't equate to the absence of, of problems. And I know some of you are like, well, this is not what I showed up to here tonight. <laughs> some of you are like, I, I'm, when are you going to get to the po- good part? Don't worry. There's good news coming The presence of God doesn't equate to the absence of problems, but what the presence of God does equate to is the presence of peace. The presence of God does equate to the presence of peace. God never promised us a perfect life, the easy life where we don't go through trials, where we don't go through situations. God never promised us that life, but what he did promise us is that when he would be with us, that we would have the presence of peace. In fact, the gospel, the good news is this, is that we have God in our midst. In fact, I love the way that Matthew one twenty two says it. It said, behold, that the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and that his name would be called Emmanuel, which is translated what? God with us. Look, this is the hope of the gospel. Not that you wouldn't go through problems, not that you wouldn't encounter pain, not that you wouldn't go through tough times, but that when you go through the tough times that God wrapped himself in flesh, he stepped out of heaven so that he could be God with us. He stepped into our world. He stepped into our situations. He wrapped himself in flesh to be God with us. Come on, God with us in the good times. God with us in the bad times. God with us in the hospital. God with us when things are against us. God with us when all hope seems lost. He's God with us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. Don't mistake that the the presence of problems is not the absence of God. Can I say that again? The presence of problems is not the absence of God, but God is an ever-present help in a time of need. Because watch this. Paul and Silas are on a missionary journey. Paul and Silas are are on a church-planting trip. They're global missionaries, sent out and called their apostles, and and here they are on this church planting trip, establishing churches, and they show up in this city to plant a church, and all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose against their life. A woman demon-possessed begins to follow them. How many of you know that's a bad thing? You don't want that. And, and then the the... The people of the town take them and and bring them before the judges and the magistrates. And then they have them beaten with rods. And and if things couldn't have gotten worse, they take them and they literally treat them like they're going on death row. And they put them not just in a jail cell, but the Bible says that they put them in the innermost cell. And if that wasn't bad enough, then what did they do? They lock them up in stocks and chains. All for doing what? All for doing God's will. The right smack dab in the center of God's will, and yet bad stuff happens. And maybe some of you feel like that tonight. Maybe some of you showed up and you're like, man, I've been coming to church every week. Bad stuff keeps happening. Man, I even show up at 3.30 and I help set this place up. Bad stuff just keeps happening. I'm struggling in my marriage or in my finances, I'm struggling. You know, I went to small group this last Thursday morning and I thought that was going to be the answer, but sometimes things just happen. Y'all, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is subject to sin, but the good thing is, is that no matter what I go through, God is right here with me. Man, you can flip on the news and you can see that it's nothing but negative stuff constantly rolling off the news. But guess what? I've got God with me. And the presence of problems doesn't mean that there is an absence of God. But I love this story because they could have easily been mad at God, right? I mean, would you agree? Would you agree that Paul and Silas could have gotten in that prison and be like, God, what is going on? Like you you told us to go to Philippi. You told us to come here. And now I'm in prison? Like you told us to come here and start a church and raise up believers and and put a pastor over this church and move on to that. Why are we in prison? They could have been mad. They could have been angry. They could have been bitter. But I love what the Bible says. The Bible says that about midnight. And you know what midnight represents? Midnight is the darkest part of the night. But I love that even in the darkest part of Paul and Silas's night, you can find them singing praises and praising God. And can I tell you that that's the place that we have to find ourselves when we find ourselves in the darkest place is we have to be singing praises and praying to God. And I love that this last week that I walked into the hospital room and you know there was never a time where I would walk in and I would hear Shannon say, why are we still here? Why are we still here? It was always, I'm praying, I'm believing. And I would walk in one morning, it was just worship music playing in that hospital room. And, and, and you know, I love this last song that we, that we sang, that even when I don't see it, God, And even when I don't feel it, God, I know that you're working. Why? Because I know that you're God with us. And if you're God with us, then God, I know that you're going to work it out. So when I can't see it, and even when I don't feel it, or even when I don't feel like it, you think Paul and Silas felt like praising God that night? No. They didn't feel like praising God, but they made a choice in the moment to say, God, I'm going to worship you. God, I'm going to praise you. God, I'm going to serve you. You deserve the love. Because when you're in the middle of God's will, there's no cause for panic. Because I love the way that Romans 8.38 says it. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor present, nor future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else can separate us from the what? From the love that I have in Christ Jesus. And there's nothing that comes against me in this world that can separate me from the love of God. That's why I continue to serve him. That's why I continue to love him. That's why in the midst of the trials and in the situations, I'll continue to have praise on my lips. Because you may have come in here fe- feeling beat up, imprisoned by a situation. You may feel forgotten about. You may feel like you're in the darkest place. You can feel like everyone is against you. But the one thing that I have learned is you've got to praise your way through it. The one thing that I've learned is that in the midnight hour, you got to begin to pray and sing hymns to God. In that dark moment, in the darkest hours, they begin to sing. Bound up, broken, hurting, depressed, but what did they do? They sang praises to God. Even when I don't see it, God, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. Why? Because you're a, come on, the words are you're a way maker, you're a miracle. Do you know what you're doing? You're speaking in faith those things. Maybe you didn't come in believing it. And this is why I love worship. Maybe you didn't come in believing it, but what worship does is worship builds your faith. Worship builds your faith. I love the way Romans 10 17 says it. It says, So then faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing what? The word of God. You know, sometimes you don't need a podcast, sometimes you don't need a preacher. Sometimes you just need to cut on some music and you need to just declare the word of God through worship music. Every song that we sing is based and rooted in scripture. These words, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Is rooted in Romans that I believe that that God will work all things together for good. That, That God works it out, that I don't have to work it out, that I don't have to strive, but God works it out. So we're singing scripture. So what worship does is worship builds our faith. And let me tell you what's important about corporate worship is that sometimes when you come in here, you're not going to feel like praising God. Anybody, you ever been there? I've been there. I've been where I've come into church. I I didn't feel like praising God. I didn't feel like lifting my hands. I didn't feel like singing the song. I was just kind of like, I hope they just would get over worship already. Just like, can we just, can we move? Anybody? I mean, am I the? Okay, I'm a heathen. I get it. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. But sometimes you just don't feel like it. But what I love is that you've got a Dan who's a a worshiper up here and sometimes I'll come in to to service and and if I don't have the energy or I don't have the strength or I don't have the faith, I can can just lean on Dan's faith for a moment because I can count on Dan to be up here worshiping. I can lean on Aaron's faith for a moment because I know that Aaron's gonna get up here and worship. I can lean on Lorencia's faith for a moment because I know that Lorencia's gonna get up here and she's gonna come and she's kind of like a cheer leader. She's going, look, even when you don't see it, come on, it's happening. Even when you don't feel it, come on, it's happening. And we can, when we come together corporately, what happens is we encourage one another. In my mind, I kind of picture it like this. Maybe Paul was uh, pumped and maybe Silas wasn't. (laughs) Maybe Paul saw the purpose of God's plan and will, but maybe Silas didn't, you know, and they're strapped in stocks together, man. They're close, I mean, you know, it, they're grump, he's grump, Silas is grumpy, and Paul's like, come on, man, we just gotta praise our way out of this situation. Come on, man, you can't be like this. You gotta keep believing. Didn't God call us here? Doesn't God have a purpose on our life? Doesn't God have a plan on our life? Come, then come on, we ought to just open up our mouth and sing praise. And I just have to believe that one of them was grumpy, and the other one said, no, we're praising God in this situation. No, it doesn't matter about the chains. It doesn't matter about what the situation looks like. It matters about the God that we serve and what he can do. Worship builds your faith. But watch this. Worship unlocks doors that no man can open. I truly believe that worship can set you free. I believe that freedom can be found in his presence. I believe that you, can, you could have come in here tonight completely bound in, in sin. And I believe that as you praise God, the power of God can touch your life. Because a lot of times what we think is we'll, we'll come into God's presence and we'll go, well, I can't worship God because I'm not worthy to worship. I'm not holy enough. No, you're not. You're right. And you'll never be. The only way we get worthy, the only way we get holy is to have him cover our life. And so don't come in here on your own and think that I can be good enough to worship God. The only way we get wor- good enough to worship God is to be covered by the sacrifice that he made for us. So you ought to just come in this place and just go, God, I know I'm not worthy, but I need you. I need your strength. I need your peace. I need you to help me in everything that I'm going through. Never come in this place and say, I can't worship him. If, you, if that's the way you feel, that's a good indicator that you need to be worshiping him. Don't wait till you have the chains off church. Come on. Don't wait till you're out of prison. You can praise God right where you're at. Because what it does, watch this, is it creates a perspective shift. Because the Bible says it this way in Psalms 34, verse three, it says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Can I ask you a question? Is there any way that we can make God bigger? what do you think? Is there there any way? No. God is as big as he is ever going to be. There's no way that, that we can make God bigger because God is already all powerful. He's already all knowing. He's already the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He's already omnipotent. So we can't make any bigger God any bigger. But when Psalms thirty-four three says, "Oh, magnify the Lord with me," what we do is we put our attention on God rather than our problems. Yeah. Because how many times have you just magnified your problems? Wow. Oh, magnify your problems with me. How many of you have done that? And you just look at the problem and you look at the situation and you magnify it and you talk about how bad it is and you talk about how there's no way that we can get through. How are we going to do this? It doesn't matter how you're going to do it. God's going to take care of it for you. And sometimes in the middle of your problem and your situation and your burden, you just have to throw up your hands and you just have to worship him. You just have to magnify God because worship shifts your focus from the problem to the solution. And he is the solution. He is the answer. And so we have to stop focusing on the problem and we have to get our eyes on the answer, the solution, the one who can fix it all. Yes. Worship shifts your focus from the problem to the solution. I had the awesome opportunity uh, probably about eight years ago to meet Tino Welinda. And Tino Walinda is comes from a, a long line of tightrope walkers. So their family literally dates back to the 1700s. And so in the 1700s, they, they walked these ropes and with no net under them. How many of you would do that? I'm not the snakes and maybe doing that. I'm not going not to do it. And so what they would do is they, they walked these ropes. In fact, Tino Walinda, he walked 189 feet suspended in the air for 3,300 feet in Denver, Colorado, suspended between two high-rise buildings. No, thank you. And so this is something that has been passed down and handed down to him since the 1700s. And so when he was asked, he said, you know, how did you learn this? He said, my grandfather actually taught me how to walk the tightrope. And this is what he taught me. He said, you're gonna take a fix, you're gonna take your eyes, and you're gonna put it on a fixed point at the end of that rope. And you're not going to take your eyes off of that fixed point. And I begin to think, man, isn't that the way we have to do it with God? That we take our eyes because Jesus is this. He is a point that doesn't move. He is the same yesterday today and forever. So we put our eyes on that fixed point. We put our eyes on Jesus. And when the wind is coming, when the waves are coming, just like just like Peter did when he stepped out of that boat and he saw Jesus. And he said, Jesus, is that you? If it's you, tell me to come. And so he stepped out on the water and he began. And as long as he had his eyes fixed in and locked on Jesus, he walked on that water. But as soon as he looked at his circumstances, he began to sink. I just want to tell somebody tonight that where we've got put our eyes is on the author the creator and the perfecter of our faith on Jesus we've got to get locked in on him because if we will I'm telling you there's nothing that we can't go through there's no situation no problem no burden that will overcome us why? because the overcomer lives inside of us hey God I'm going to focus my eyes on you the author the creator the perfecter My salvation, my hope, my joy, my peace. God, I'm locking my eyes on you. And I'm not going to put my eyes on, I'm not going to magnify my problems. It's not oh, God, it's oh, magnify the Lord. I see you and I'm pursuing you and I'm coming after you. You're my fixed point. But I want to tell somebody tonight that others need your worship. Others need your worship. When Paul and Silas worshiped, it not only impacted their situation, but it impacted the people lives around them. The Bible says that at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were doing what? They were listening. They were taking note. They were going, okay. You guys were beaten with rods this afternoon, right? You're you're in the same prison we're in. You're in the maximum security. You're in here with us in chains, in stocks. But, but you're singing praise to God? And they just begin to sing praise. And the Bible says that suddenly there was the sound of an earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the prison doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakened from the sleep, seeing that the prison doors were open, supposing that the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he knew his life was going to be taken if they all escaped. But Paul called to him in a loud voice and he says, look, don't harm yourself. To fast forward this story, that jailer's whole family ends up giving their life to Jesus that jailer's whole family ends up being baptized. I'm telling you, there's people that are watching you. There's people that are listening and going, you know what, I saw you posted about this new church plant, but I also know that you're going through some tough times. I saw that you were in the hospital this last week, but yet you still posted Psalms 34.3 on your feed that said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. How can you be in the hospital and exalting the Lord? And what I'm telling you is that as you will do that, something shifts in the people around you and you become a witness to them. What I'm telling you is that Restoration Church is going to be a place that we're going to praise God no matter what we walk through, no matter what the storm. And as we do, people are going to be blessed around us. As we do, I believe that people are going to get saved. Our neighbors are going to get saved. I believe that your people on your sports teams are going to get saved. Why? Because they know that your life is not perfect, that that everything doesn't just, you didn't just become saved and God fixed everything. But you're going through things and you hold on to God tightly and it brings peace in the middle pain.